Many live streaming services don't know what they don't know when it comes to quality, which could be ruining their business. Simwave's CEO explains how to benchmark quality and fix problems now. This is Endscreen Noise. My name is Colin Dixon, founder and chief analyst at Endscreen Media. And I'm delighted to be talking with Dr. Abdul Rehman. He's chief executive officer and co-founder of SimWave. Abdul, welcome. Thank you, Colin. Great to be here. And we are going to be talking about what I think is possibly the most important topic in streaming for the next couple of years, and that is live delivery. There, This is, I think, one of the biggest changes over the last couple of years, live delivery premium sports are now finally coming to streaming and uh, boy it really looks like there's going to be a lot of people to watch uh, Magid says that 81% identify themselves as casually interested in at least one sport and 50% half of people say they are actively interested in four sports or more and there is going to be a lot of sport to watch um, we'll be talking about F1, Formula One, during the podcast. But if you want to watch NFL, you can watch that on Amazon on Thursday nights. If you want to watch Major League Baseball, you're probably already watching it on Apple TV on Friday nights for the doubleheader. And there's MLS and possibly even NFL Sunday Ticket coming to Apple in the very near future too. So a very important topic. And it turns out that the quality is extremely variable. And that's what we're going to be talking about in today's podcast. Uh, But first, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here. Abdul, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about SimWave and why you started SimWave. We pioneered the field of perceptual quality assessment over the past few decades as academics and started working with the industry more and more and realize that the industry does not really know how good or bad their video looks when it comes to perceptual quality. So in order to solve that problem, we started SimWave a few years ago. uh, And now we are working with the biggest household names in video streaming. We monitor and optimize billions of hours, viewing hours of video per month. You may have heard about us in, in the news, so yeah, about a year ago, we won our second primetime Emmy um, for the impact that we have had on the industry. Yep, yep, and I can see uh, our listeners can't see it, but I can see that one of those that is sitting very proudly behind you over your left uh, your left shoulder there, Abdul. So congratulations for that. Um, so okay, so. I've been watching a lot of European soccer, particularly Premier League. Um, I watch that on a combination of different services. And what I've noticed is that the quality is really very, very variable. Um, is that just me or is this very common? Uh, we are observing that it's very common. We have um, scored many different sports uh, from F1 Grand Prix to soccer Premier League, like you mentioned, uh, to NFL, to MLB, and other sports. Um, And what we have found is within a single game, let alone across sports or streaming platforms, within a single game across streaming platforms, there's a huge variation in quality. And as you're watching one of the streaming platforms uh, during the duration of the game, you also observe significant variation in quality. I personally was quite surprised um to to not totally unexpected but surprised to see such big variation across streaming platforms so what what makes 
quality so difficult to deliver in live sports? What's what's the, the, the big difference there between on-demand and live? So generally speaking, um, the live sport constrains you quite a bit on the latency, latency side. We, we know that as a challenge. Uh, so when you don't have a lot of time to do a number of things that you do do when you bring content from uh, an arena all the way to a viewer's home, um, you, you don't have a whole lot of time to think about what you need to do. I mean, your computers and your processes don't have a whole lot of time to do that. So that puts a lot of constraints. And one of the dimensions when, uh, is, is quality that you may compromise on as far to reduce the latency. The second thing is there's a lot of, there's lots happening in sports content, both from spatial perspective and temporal perspective. So there's a lot of camera motion uh, or motion in general, and then there's a lot of there are a lot of spatial details, and those details are important to the experience of a viewer. In order to keep all those details, you you require a, a lot of bits, um, and those bits are generally not available at scale or are expensive to deliver. Um, so those are at, at a high level um, are, are two challenges, but there are many, many other challenges that are unique to sports content. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I know my listeners have probably heard me talk about quite a few of those in the past. This is a subject that's very dear to my heart. Uh, unfortunately, though, quality, not getting the quality right is pretty expensive, right? It has a big impact on you versus your competition, which means it's having an impact on retention, consumer retention. Uh, but one of the biggest problems is knowing what you don't know. And one of the great things about SimWave is you've come up with a way for a service to benchmark themselves to know where their quality is to get so that they know what they don't know, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that has uh, been a great uh, motivator for us uh, to go forward with this project and help the industry understand what they don't know. And I think not only they need to know for themselves so they can measure their own performance and track that over time so they can make sure they are getting better, but also uh, compare themselves to other streaming services. And hopefully we are in a situation where everybody's uh, working towards improving their experience the fastest they can for for their viewers. Because sports is one of the most beloved form of video content out there. And everybody wants to wants to experience it in the best possible way. Right, and we'll be getting towards the end of the podcast, we'll be getting to a couple or three things that people can do now to help improve their video quality. But uh, before we get there, um, one of the things that you did this weekend was you monitored the F1 Belgium Grand Prix, which is uh, F1 Formula One was back from its summer recess and uh, Verstappen got in a a big win um, in the Belgium Grand Prix. But uh, did you find a lot of variation between the deliveries uh, yes, so there was there were three platforms we were scoring, and these three platforms, uh, if you comp- it, they scored from seventy all the way to eighty three and 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 some uh, eighty three point point uh, something. That w- that's a difference of about thirteen fourteen points roughly, and when you have a difference of four to five points, that's very readily noticeable if you're watching. Um, and especially when you are 
when you're thinking about sports fans who are very enthusiastic about their experience and their attention is entirely on the screen. They may notice it even more readily than a common person watching some content and not content that they are paying 100% of their attention to. Um, so that means uh, there's about 3x the just noticeable difference, quote unquote, between the streaming platforms, that sort of separation. So if you put them side by side, and these days it's very easy for people to put streaming platforms side by side because that's one of the benefits of these OTT platforms. Uh, you can subscribe and watch them anywhere you want. Um, you would be, you would quickly, very quickly tell which one is better, and in this case, which one is better by a long shot. Yeah, and so so give us an idea of some of the things that we would see if we were looking at a stream that was down in the seventies and we were looking at one that was in the nineties. What perceptual differences would we see? And I should say, we'll include a link to a video that actually. It shows this for the Formula One Grand Prix with this posting. So if you want to look at that, uh, look down in the in the description and you'll be able to find the link there. We'll come to the end screen media website and there'll be a link with the posting there. So anyway, what would I have noticed there? So a number of things, um, not in any specific order, but a number of things. One, you would see uh, more details. So the, the details are really important, both spatially and temporally, more details in one content, one, one version versus another of the same sport, same game, same stream um, that you're watching across two different platforms. The second thing uh, that you may observe is difference uh, in impairments or impairment level. So different uh, streaming platforms use different codecs, different encoders, different configurations. Um, and as a result of that, the impairment level is very different the way they have structured their delivery platforms. And it's very readily noticeable. Um, then you would also see because of content processing, some impairments uh, like the interlacing. So you would see shadows um, um, of, of, of something that is moving, that's because of some deinterlacing process that has to happen generally before final encoding stage. So there are a number of these impairments that you see, but from a, from a viewer perspective at the end of the day, they don't care what the problem is and where that is happening. And that's where we come in. Our goal is to really help our customers understand what the perceptual quality is at the end of the day and how they score, how they're scoring for themselves and how, they're, uh, how they score against their competition and then help them identify these issues and then localize these issues because we want this data to be actionable. We want them to get better as quickly as they can. And our goal is to provide them actionable da data that identifies these issues crisply and help them localize so they can fix and improve as quickly as possible. Right. So I had my I had my score between zero and 100, which makes it very, very easy for me to now figure out how I'm doing and benchmark myself against my big competitors. But is it very difficult to instrument all of the parts? Because it's, a, you know, the video passes through a lot of points in the value chain of delivery. Right. Um, how, how do I actually go about instrumenting that? Yeah. So one of the key benefits of our technology is that we just rely on pixels to score content. 
And we spent a couple of decades in building these technologies and did a lot of research work in doing that. Generally speaking, when you measure quality, you would rely on quality of service attributes. You may look at your bit rate, you may look at uh, packet loss and delays and stuff. And all of that is important and relevant, but you you may have everything working perfectly from quality of service perspective, but your pixels actually may not look right or the quality may not be as good. So that's why we primarily rely on or fully rely on pixels to measure perceptual quality as humans do. Now for in instrumenting and scoring yourself, it's a very straightforward way of deploying. It's software application that we provide that runs on any custom off the shelf hardware. For benchmarking that we do, we we are we run this actually on an, on i7 processors that are consumer grade and still are using like eight to ten percent of the CPU. So all you need is some some spare compute and access to video, and we can deploy our software in various shapes or forms to give you the score across different points in the delivery chain. Very good. So that, that makes it relatively easy then for me to identify, is it my encoding or is it my packager that's causing the problem? Or Because I can, I can actually tap in and compare and get my score for each of those points in the delivery, delivery chain, right? Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. So, I mean, it sounds to me like I could even, even compare players, right? Performance of the players between the individual devices. Yeah, so if there are certain impairments that are being introduced by these players, so sometimes players have decoding issues or sometimes players have uh, lip sync issues. So it, what happens is um, you play the same stream using different players and, and, and video and audio is not synchronized. We measure uh, that sometimes players introduce different level of latency based on how much video they buffer and a number of other things. So based on uh, SimWave's technology that measures latency, that measures lip sync, that measures perceptual quality issues, you can absolutely compare players and platforms. Um, with that said, the goal of this effort that uh, we are undertaking, we are starting simple. The goal of this effort is to help uh, the industry understand in piecemeal, step by step. Um, and the first part of that is to help them understand how good the pixels are. So even if the delivery is perfect, even if the player is uh, playing everything as intended, you can still have really bad perceptual quality. So we are starting with measuring that, and then we are going to expand that to variability across delivery networks or variability across different players. Are there certain types of impairment that are worse for people to bear that would that would score higher or score lower the, rather on your zero to 100 scale? Um, for sure. Um, and that's the also the goal of our perceptual quality measurement is to penalize, so to speak, that impairment according to how annoying that is for humans at the end of the day. Otherwise, you would not be able to we collect accurate data and then take actions based on that. Uh, now, uh, when, you, when it comes to impairments, when it comes to sports, generally speaking, temporal impairments may appear more annoying to, to, to viewers than some details that are missing spatially. 
in, in content. And jerkiness of motion or deinterlacing, like I talked about, or um, other similar impairments are, are quite are a lot more annoying. We actually wrote a paper on type of impairments when it comes to video and different codecs and other processing engines introduced and talked about tens of these impairments a few years ago uh, that would be happy to share. Uh, great, you. great. So we'll definitely give a pointer to that in the posting as well. Okay, so at the, at the top of the, the podcast, I said that you would give us some advice, two or three things that we can do to improve the video quality that we're delivering. So let's let's get into that. So give us a, give us one of those things that we can do. Yeah, absolutely. So the the, the first step, uh, the first thing you can do is to measure because if you can't measure, you cannot improve, and you want to measure and know what you don't know. So you start by measuring perceptual quality at different points in the delivery chain, especially before and after the places where you are modifying pixels. Once you know that, and then other impairments that could be introduced, like I said, um, latency, you wanna measure that, or lip sync, you wanna measure that, or macro blocking and other impairments that could be introduced at different points in the delivery chain. So step one, like I said, measure before and after to uh, around your most vulnerable uh, parts of your delivery chain. Now, the second thing is, what you wanna do is make sure you're not getting into this so-called garbage in, garbage out situation. So if your source is bad, it becomes really difficult for you to improve that source. Generally speaking, you're only gonna get worse than that. And, and in case of sports, because there's a lot of complexity as we discussed previously, upstream workflows that provide you sources often have a number of issues that lead to bad quality sources. So you want to make sure that you benchmark those sources both offline so you can uh, pick the best workflows and best source providers, but also in real time if you need to switch from one source to another to make sure that you're feeding the best quality source into your workflow. Once that is done, then you want to make sure that um, your processing engines, which are encoding, pre-processing before encoding, or packaging afterwards, are not introducing any significant impairments. And these um, stages are often more predominantly relying on your encoding process, among other things. So you want to make sure you are picking uh, the best encoder. You're configuring that encoder in the best possible way. You are adapting your recipes uh, based, on the, based on the content and various other things that are involved. And then uh, you want to make sure that you're optimizing across multiple dimensions. So as you already do, I believe. So when you optimize for latency, you want to measure what's the impact of that optimization on quality. Obviously, you want that impact to be as minimal as possible, but you want to measure that to make sure you don't tweak too much on the on, uh, when it comes to one dimension and compromise a whole lot uh, on the other side. So that involves, as we were saying, player tweaking and the recipes that you build in your players or your vendors provide you. Um, so yeah, there are a number of things that can be done um, and we are happy to uh, help the industry discover those every step of the way so they can accelerate improvement of your experiences. Yeah, and in some respects, I think it's fair to say that the, that the improvement process is a tuning process. As you say, the example you give with you know, if you're optimizing for to minimize latency, you definitely increase the probability 
of things like buffering and, and, and poor quality creeping in to as you cut corners to try and get that video to people as quickly as possible, right? So it's very much a tuning process, not so much a question of fixing something that's specifically broken. Um, absolutely. I work uh, at or I contribute to Streaming Video Alliance as well. I'm one of the co-chairs and uh, Jason Thibault, who's the who's the director, he says it's all about the knobs and dials. So I I I, I agree with you. Uh, the the existing workflows that we have out there, they're very capable, and you want to make sure that you're using them in the best possible way to get the best performance. Having said that, I do recognize and appreciate the future the capabilities that are being built for future workflows, the new codecs that are coming out, and various other technologies that would help us take these workflows to the next level. But I do believe that the industry can take advantage of these workflows uh, by tuning for additional performance. Very good. So the great news is if people want to see this happening live, they can actually do that if they're attending IBC 2022 in Amsterdam, right? You'll be in Hall 1 on booth B10. And tell us what you, you, you're actually be doing a live measurement, right? Yeah, that's very exciting. Um, we are taking it to the next level. We want to do it in front of a uh, live audience, so to speak, and for them to come in, look at the content, look at the score, um, and then ask any questions uh, that they have about the measurement. The goal at the end is one, that is to help our media and entertainment industry deliver the best possible experiences to their viewers. Yeah. And that's happening, I think, Sunday morning, right? Yeah, Sunday morning, local time. Uh, Eastern time is Sunday morning uh, in Europe because we are going to be in Europe. I always have to add six hours. So uh, Sunday so afternoon. Local time is going to be 3 p.m. Uh, yeah. So people want to catch that if they, if they possibly can. If you want to set up a meeting, you can send an email to hello at simwave.com and set up a meeting that way or just show up at the booth, I guess, and, and catch that live measurement taking place. That sounds great. So, Abdul, this has been a great discussion. Thanks so much for spending time with us. Thank you so much, Colin. It was great talking to you. Very good. And this has been Colin Dixon with Endscreen Media. This podcast is a production of Endscreen Media, all rights reserved.